Welcome to episode 54 of The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. On this episode, our guests are David Shook and Pablo Jofre. David Shook is a very handsome poet, translator and publisher from beautiful Los Angeles, California. Publishing both historically important and contemporary poets who, in various ways, are invested in, in you know, I, I don't love the term avant-garde, but I do like the idea of a poet being invested in the evolution of language. And I think that that's what Pablo Jofre is doing today. Pablo Jofre is chileno y es poeta, periodista, traductor, y él vive en Berlín. His new book, Abecedary, translated by David Shook, is just out from Insert Blanc Press. Adorno que esconde nuestra animalidad o que la expone y nos recuerda que somos bestias con tutú, monstruos adornados de perlas, ridículos seres caminando por las calles pintadas. Cuando te observarás desnudo, joya falsa, eso es lo que somos. At the end of the show, we're going to hear Los Angeles band The Tissues off their new album, Veil. The People features the voices and ideas that make up the cultural landscape of Los Angeles, the West Coast, and beyond. It's like a broken record, magically repaired. And remember, you can listen to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM, every third Sunday at 3 PM. Or you can find us on iTunes by searching the iTunes store for The People Radio. Or you can go to insertblancpress.net and click on The People at the top of the page. David Shook and Pablo Jofre, welcome to The People. Yeah, welcome, guys. So, David, you recently translated a book of Pablo's. Do you want to tell us about it? I would love that, Ben. Please do, then. Pablo's book is called Abecedary, and it's basically an alphabet, an ABCs, if you will, that begins with abyss and keeps going till uh, the word zenith. And it's it's really a charting or a, a kind of navigation chart through Pablo's understanding of the world or through the poet's understanding of the world as I see it. And, you know, as Will Alexander said, uh, his vision empowers his alchemical expression, swirling as it does his personal monsoon of droplets. Just really always wanted to say the word droplets on the people now's your chance i appreciate that no problem uh pablo i'd love to hear a little of your story of this book i know that this is a book that you wrote in 2010 right when you're living in barcelona Mm -hmm. yes well i will i want to say thank you very much for the invitation of course yeah thanks and uh, well i talk in, in spanish la, la idea del libro fue una experiencia de inmigración porque llevaba varios, varios años viviendo en, en España y necesitaba una forma de contactar a, a mis amigos o a la gente que yo quería. Entonces lo que hice fue un sistema eh, con letras y con peticiones de palabras a amigos. Hice una lista de amigos, los más cercanos, a cada uno le di una letra y le indiqué que me diera su palabra favorita diciéndole si era un, un adjetivo, un verbo, un, un, un sustantivo. Entonces yo 
eh, hice una especie de, de performance también en el espacio, me comuniqué con ellos, ellos me devolvieron, se inició como un, un nuevo proceso de comunicación y yo recibí unas 50 palabras, más, más de 50 palabras. Y ellos estaban también muy contentos de, de que los hiciera participar en un proyecto de escritura. Entonces, de alguna manera se generó una especie de compañía en ese viaje o en esa estadía en, en Barcelona. Y luego, con las palabras que recibí, eh, comencé a escribir significados. Elegí las palabras primero y luego eh, elegí significados un intentos de significados. It's interesting that your project has such personal origins because there's a universality to your work, a sort of I mean, I think one of the things that anyone who writes a, a dictionary or encyclopedia has to have is, is a certain confidence or authority to define things. And, and I wonder if you could speak to that, the the art of broadening the personal to the universal, and vice versa, because I think a lot of your poems also return to a very personal or intimate lyrical mode. Sí, yo, yo veo los, los, los poemas como una forma de vaciar el contenido de la existencia, es decir, estaba la, la arquitectura, tenía que tener siempre dos, eh, dos párrafos, dos estrofas. La, la palabra se repetía en la segunda estrofa y el, el poema tenía que ser un, un intento de significado. Entonces estaba la arquitectura y yo lo que tenía que hacer era vaciar realidad en un, en un, en un proceso de, de comunicación. Vaciar realidad en... en era una necesidad en el fondo, una necesidad. En un... Siempre necesito esta esta arquitectura. You do you find that architecture or that that structure in your poetry confines you or or that it opens opens you up to more possibility? Opens, of course. Yeah. Opens, opens because the world is so big and so complicated, and if you don't have some rules so it's the way to to yeah to it's a creative way to to develop ideas mm? mm -hmm. i i wonder if you could speak a little bit about the influence of your life outside of, of chile you know you've lived in spain now you live in berlin one of the o in this collection is is overseas and I, you call it in one line a sweet dream that impeded the body's explosion on that morning's cold tile. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about how living abroad and and I guess the the longing for home has influenced your your work. Bueno, desde pequeño siempre soñé de, de... yo fui a los 17 a Alemania. Eh, luego volví a Chile y luego ya no había manera de, 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 de dejarme en un, en un, en un sitio. Eh, lo que también es un problema, es decir, esto de... de no sé si, si, si es escapar de algo o buscar algo o las dos cosas al mismo tiempo. 
Eh, pero el, el, el estar fuera influencia en tomar distancia de las cosas, en un, un distanciamiento, lo que permite crear. So, so it is integral to your, your creative process and your, I guess, your view of the world. No sé si, no, no estoy tan seguro si, si es así. Es una, es un contexto en el que me encuentro actualmente y con el que estoy un poco obsesionado y tratando de cerrarlo en realidad. El, el tema de este libro, el, el abecedario más extranjería, que claro, se llama extranjería, los dos tienen que ver con un proceso de inmigración. Luego viene otro, que es el Berlín-Manila, que es un viaje. Pero yo creo que hasta ahí quedan, queda el viaje o el vivir fuera o la emigración en relación con la producción de, de poesía. Es más, me gustaría cerrarlo ahí. O sea, dejar esos tres libros, el abecedario, el, el extranjería y el, el Berlín-Manila, y ya cambiar hacia, hacia, hacia otra cosa. Supongo que un poco más conceptual, porque mi lenguaje va cambiando. Yo intenté, por ejemplo, lo que me preguntaban siempre en, en Italia era si no había seguido haciendo un abecedario por toda la vida, ¿no? Porque si ya tenía una arquitectura, tenía un sistema... Entonces lo que, lo que podía hacer era, era simplemente poder escribir y tenía un, un libro gigante de mil páginas. I'm Al... glad you didn't do that. It could have become like Naruto's odes. <laughs> Tragic. No, porque, no, no, no puede ser porque, no, porque tu, eh, tu lenguaje cambia en relación a, al, a la madurez de tu propia personalidad. Entonces, claro, lo intenté hacer y el poema era completamente distinto. Y mucho más un poco relacionado a tu pregunta, un poco más cuando el contexto, cuando el contexto es, de, es de un idioma distinto. Cuando el contexto es de un idioma distinto, pues no es lo mismo vivir en, 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 en Alemania que en, eh, que en, que en España. En, en Alemania me rodea el alemán. Entonces yo me quedo un poco solo pensando. Por lo tanto, los poemas son un poco más secos, más abstractos, más, más pequeños, menos, menos vivos, pero reproducen más ideas. Eh, este ha sido un, un conflicto, este ha sido un conflicto que, que tengo. Es más, voy a Chile ahora para ver si me quedo un tiempo más largo ahí para poder escribir de, de otra manera, digamos, de tener un environment en español que creo que lo, lo necesito para ciertos proyectos. Depende del proyecto también, del proyecto de escritura. That's interesting. I, I really like the idea and I aspire to it myself of the poet's idiolect maturing and, and becoming more their own. I think that's, that's really interesting. This book, yeah, I mean, you've talked about, about the influence of effectively living in German on, on your poetry. This book has made its way through several languages now. It's been published in Italian, it's been published in Greek, and now we have this brand new edition in English. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, you know, how it feels to see your work reproduced in another language, that sensation. 
And I'm also one of the things I really liked in looking at the various editions was that the order of the alphabet by necessity has to change. And each one of these books, each one of these editions is unique in its ordering. And I love the idea that a, a book continues to evolve in translation and that you as an author allow it the space to do that. Yo creo que la, la primera pregunta, la, lo de editar traducciones, hay un tema también de, de, de la edición de poesía. Es decir, yo creo que ahí hay un, tenemos un problema actualmente, o no un problema, pero el, 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 se edita muy poca, muy poca poesía, lo que hace que la gente no tenga acceso, que no lo vea y por lo tanto no vaya o porque hay una cantidad excesiva de narrativa, o qué sé yo. Bueno, hay un, hay, un, hay un tema que para mí la edición de traducción viene a ser una forma de editar, es decir, de, que, de, de publicar mi, mi poesía en una, en una visión como de pangea, ¿no? como que el público en realidad no, no, hay, no hay barreras idiomáticas. Entonces yo voy... La traducción es de, es de una de una naturalidad eh, muy, muy orgánica. Es decir, no hay, no hay como un esfuerzo extra. Es muy, es muy orgánico el, el, el editar la, las traducciones porque es como llegar al, a, lo, a los públicos. Y esto de la traducción, que el libro sea distinto en cada uno de los idiomas genera genera un intercambio muy interesante con el traductor en tu caso, ahí tendrías que hablar tú cómo ha sido un poco el proceso de, de, de traducción y, y te das cuenta que la, que la materia poética es moldeable es decir, hemos cambiado algunos títulos para poder eh, para que esté todo el, el diccionario completo. Y no estoy muerto. Entonces, como en, en, es un la, la edición de Abecedario viene a ser una, una, una obra artística también, porque hay un, hay un trabajo de creación con, con el editor y con el, con el traductor. Yeah, I think that when a, a work of art takes on a life of its own, it's a sign of success. It's, it's really exciting, I think. My, my translation process was interesting. I'd never translated a, an encyclopedia. It's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. But I, I found there, on the face of many of your poems, there's a certain simplicity or accessibility mm, yeah. that yeah. then often plunges at times quite suddenly into a more opaque or abstract revelation, which I think is part of it, its attempt to define a word or so often an experience. There's so many of the, these poems that are verbs by title, and that was a big question. I mean, translating the infinitive from Spanish, uh, it often sounds very awkward in English, and often we want to add the ing. But then, because this is an encyclopedia, you, I believe that that the form dictates a certain uh, 
standardization or, you know, um, just coherence that uh, made me want to do all of those the same way. And I remember I, I started um, I started mixed because I would just do whatever whatever made the most sense to me for the individual poem. But in the end, I, I wound up avoiding the infinitive because I felt like it reflected an active the active nature of the original, which was well communicated in the Spanish language infinitive, but in English seemed much more passive. And while this is an encyclopedia, I and that might be unusual in, in an encyclopedia or a dictionary, I do feel that it better reflects the the action of the original, the the kind of liveliness and and sometimes humor that comes through. So we're going to hear some poems uh, pretty soon from Pablo and their translations. So yeah, let's sure. take a break. You're listening to The People in Kechung, 1630 AM. Pablo Jofre's new book, Abecedary, is just out from Insert Blanc Press. So let's listen to Pablo reading poems from the book and David reading his translations. Narcolepsia. De sentir el cuerpo evaporado en la neblina nocturna que absorbe y extingue, disipa, capitular al contacto con el sol, a la gota de rocío, volver a la razón cual placenta. La narcolepsia es dormirse en la ambigüedad tibia y abstracta, es volver o traspasarse, es cortarse el cuello y no sangrar. Narcolepsy. Dissuading the body, evaporated in the nocturnal fog, that absorbs and extinguishes, dissipates, capitulating at contact with the sun, at the drop of dew, returning to reason's placenta. Narcolepsy is falling asleep in warm, abstract ambiguity. It's coming back, or transgressing. It's cutting your neck and not bleeding. Narcolepsie. Den Körper nicht füllen, in Luft aufgelöst, im nächtlichen Nebel, der aufsaugt und auslöscht, verwehrt, vor dem Kontakt mit der Sonne kapitulieren, vor den Tautropfen wieder das Denken erreichen, wie im Uterus, Narkolepsie ist Einschlafen in der lauwarmen und abstrakten Mehrdeutigkeit. Es ist Wiederkehren oder Überschreiten. Es ist die Kelle durchschneiden, ohne zu bluten. Fingers My other eyes, which take your waist. Antennas to reach the universe and spin around things which I sometimes bring up to my mouth. My fingers dance from one place to another, searching for something they will never find. Dedos, mis otros ojos, que cogen tu cintura, antenas para alcanzar el universo y revolver las cosas que a veces me llevo a la boca. Mis dedos bailan de un lugar a otro, buscando aquello que no encontrarán jamás. Xenophobia. 
Miedo a lo desconocido, al otro, al precipicio tras el horizonte, a lo que no sabemos o no queremos saber. Terror a la propia identidad fragmentada, indefinida, ausente. La xenofobia descansa en los apellidos, en la patria, en lo clásico, en la imaginación también, inventora de monstruos. Xenophobia. Fear of the unknown, of the other, of the precipice beyond the horizon, of what we do not know or do not wish to know. Terror of one's own identity, fragmented, undefined, absent. Xenophobia takes a rest on last names, on the homeland, on the classical, on the imagination, too, inventor of monsters. Joya. Adorno que esconde nuestra animalidad o que la expone. Y nos recuerda que somos bestias con tutú, monstruos adornados de perlas, ridículos seres caminando por las calles pintadas. ¿Cuándo te observarás desnudo? Joya falsa. Eso es lo que somos. Jewel. Adornment that hides our animality or that exposes it and reminds us that we are beasts in tutus. Monsters adorned in pearls, ridiculous beings walking down the dappled streets. When will you observe yourself nude? A fake jewel, that is what we are. Fama, la más liviana de mis palabras, con sus saltos de mariposa aturdida se pasea inocente en su traje verde de Ofelia como si estuviera en el sueño de todos. Nos recuerda nuestra soledad. ¿Por qué me entristezco tanto cada vez que la miro a los ojos? La fama toca el fondo de mi herida de muerte, cual perla negra bruñida por mis entrañas, a la espera que pueda cogerla, caracolizada y obscura, y ponerla en mi entrecejo. Fame the lightest of my words. With a startled butterfly's little leaps, she walks along innocently in her green suit, like Ophelia's. As if she were in everyone's dreams, she reminds us of our solitude. Why do I feel so sad every time I look her in the eyes? Fame touches the depths of my death wound, that black pearl burnished by my bowels, at the hope that I can seize her, snail-coiled and dark, and place her between my eyebrows. Now let's return to our conversation with David Shook and Pablo Jofre. So David, um, you are the series editor, the serious series editor of the Manifesto series on Insert Blanc Press. I am. Um, and we have uh, three books now. Uh, Slap in the Face, The Four Russian Futurist Manifestos, translated by Boris Dralyuk, which was originally put out as a chat book, but now is a nice uh, full-color paperback. Yeah, about and then four the, years ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, chat book to paperback takes about four years. Um, and then these two new books. So tell us about 
these new books and and your vision for the series, the Manifesto series in, in general? Well, the Manifesto series began to address what I saw as a fundamental error in the translation of manifestos, which which I consider to be their own genre, really, and which I think because they so often lay out the aesthetic blueprint for literary movements were largely relegated to the world of the academy, which meant that their translations into English were much more academic than I think the original texts often were, they don't reflect the poetry, the vitality, and, and often the radical punning of the original. And that's something that I hope to restore. That said, some, you know, many of these manifestos do have very good translations already available, and I'm very appreciative to those translators. One thing that I'm really excited about, and which I think is... is important is the broadening of the manifesto imprint that these two new books represent. First, we have Aeroplane by Quintanilla, the Mexican estridentista. It's a book he wrote between 1919 and 1923 when he was in his early 20s, and it's, it's his first book of two, uh, which were all that he wrote before he turned to theater and eventually served in Mexico's foreign service as their ambassador to the Soviet Union. Quintanilla is an under-recognized but enormous influence on Mexican poetry, even today. His work, it, it has a certain foreignness about it because he grew up in Paris, the son of Mexico's ambassador to Paris, and lived in French as much as he did Spanish, and many of the poems in Aeroplane were actually first written in French and then self-translated into Spanish. And I think that's that's a pretty exciting idea to me. Another book that I, I translated and, and which I've spoken about here on The People, if you go back to some of those very high-quality vintage episodes, <laughs> is Shiki Nagaoka by Mario Bellatin, in which he propose the idea that you can only uncover the truly literary. And actually, this is something Adam Thurwell has also suggested about literary style, that it is what remains in translation, and that only by filtering a poem through several languages can we see what truly remains of it, and its kind of core kernel of, of poetry, of, of meaning. So that's a cool idea to me. It's a, it's a book that I co-translated with Anthony Seidman, a fantastic poet translator from the Valley, the San Fernando Valley, that I've translated one other book with, a poet from the 1940s, 30s and 40s, named Salvador Novo. And then we have, with Pablo's work, we, we jump into the present day. And I, I think the thing that excites me about this this broadening of the series, like I said, is that we, we've moved from just the manifesto as genre to the manifesto or the spirit of the manifesto serving as a guiding principle mm -hmm. for the books that we're publishing. We'll continue to, to publish new translations of important manifestos from around the world, but I think 
publishing both historically important and contemporary poets who, in various ways, and some of them more subtle than others, are invested in, in you know, I, I don't love the term avant-garde, but I do like the idea of a poet being invested in the evolution of language. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what Quintanilla did in the early 1920s, and that's what Pablo Jofre is doing today. And I think the books we have planned for the Manifesto imprint will continue in that vein. Well, Pablo, maybe you could uh, you could speak on why you think this book fits under the Manifesto umbrella. Yes, of course, porque... Um es una ópera prima, el abecedario es una ópera prima, por lo tanto eh, se marcan eh, los límites de la, de la escritura y, y a partir de ahí se ve, se, se ve un poco el, el futuro. Yo me siento muy cómodo que, que abecedario esté en una, en una colección de manifiestos porque de alguna manera... Es como estar un poco en, en familia, digamos. Es como un, un parte de un, de, un, de un paisaje. Pablo, in, in Will Alexander's prologue to your book, he leads us on a kind of poetic history uh, of Chile over the last century. I wondered if you could speak personally to your poetic lineage which I assume contains poets from, from your own country as well as from around the world. I know you've been influenced by, by French poetry quite a bit. Who, who are your forebears? Yo creo que para el caso de Abecedario, la influencia de Vicente Guidobro y en general de, de la poesía francesa, porque vivía en Barcelona, trabajaba en un instituto francés, hablaba... Tenía, estuve conectado con quizás a través del catalán eh, a través del catalán y a través de mi trabajo en el Instituto Francés de Barcelona que, que Vicente Guidobro venía a ser un poco una guía y una conexión para este, para este proyecto específico de escritura y yo creo que aunque Pablo de Roca marca una, un, un, una, una línea que yo intento continuar. Eh, en, en el caso de Abecedario, Vicente Guidobro tiene mucho más, mucho más peso. En, en el trabajo de la, de la imaginación, de, 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 la, de la visualidad. En mis otros proyectos eh, voy tomando autores distintos. Pero yo creo que Pablo de Roca y, y Vicente Huidobro son los que a los que yo sigo un poco a los que yo sigo un poco la, la, la línea. I know, Pablo, that you are a translator yourself, and you've said in the past that you choose to translate poets that inspire you or, or whose work you'd like to learn from. And I've often often said that translation is the closest form of reading. Mm -hmm. I wonder what who have you translated 
and, and what have you learned through that process? I have uh, translated so people around me in Germany. So I translate basically from uh, German into Spanish. And uh, I mix sometimes um, classics and uh, very uh, young people and uh, poets in my age because they are around me. So it's, it's a um, generational connection in a way. Uh, I translated Adrian Kasnitz, for example. And, and I, I was looking the first books from because I was interested in the first books, the operas primas de los, de los autores. Y, uh, y bueno, traduje a Adrian Kasnitz, a Nora Gomringer, que es muy conocida en, en, en Alemania también, sus primeros libros. ¿Y dónde se publicaron esos libros? En, en, Alema país? en, Alemania. en Alemania. Ah, para, para publicar en Chile. Ajá, sí, para publicar en Chile. Y en proyecto están la, el, el primer poemario que escribió la, el Fride Jelinek. Es el único que ha, y que no está traducido porque, claro, la, 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 lo que pasa es que tampoco hay, eh, hay mucho interés comercial por traducir poesía. Entonces... De alguna manera tienes una tienes una libertad para poder para poder elegir y a Polcelán digamos esos son como los lados de los de los, de los, de los clásicos y a una chica hip hopera suiza eh, Amina que es eh, de Mogadishu que también es muy 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 joven y hace y escribe de una manera interesante para el público para el público chileno es una forma de curiosidad de saber qué están haciendo las distintas generaciones los clásicos para ver cuál es el tema que, que les influencia cuán presente está la política porque este era un tema que también tenía pendiente escribir con peso más político Especialmente porque trabajé mucho tiempo de periodista como corresponsal, entonces nunca, nunca encontré un punto en que, en que, en que se juntara uno, uno con lo otro, especialmente de actualidad política. Y, y eso me, me, me servía para saber qué, qué estaban haciendo, qué estaban escribiendo. Qué curiosidad sobre todo, qué estilo, qué temas... Well, David, the same question should, could be uh, asked of you as well, and not just with the Manifesto series, but all the translation that you do uh, in other, like your, the translation from the Portuguese for the, the poet from Sao Tome Principe. Um, you know, what led you to a project like that? I think like, like Pablo, so much of it begins in curiosity. And I think... You know, one of one of my means of survival in this world is stoking my my curiosity on a daily basis, and I, I'm very interested in both the Spanish language and Portuguese language diaspora, and I've I've translated a fair number of of sub-Saharan 
African poets from Swahili and French and Spanish and even Bubi and Kenya Rwanda. So this, this was an extension of that, but really it, it came down to the poet's work at the end of the day. I was compelled enough by, by Concesao Lima's poetry to seek her out. And, and that's what I did when I was in, in Sao Tome on my NEA grant this January, is more than anything, far more than, than I actually achieved in terms of progress on the translation, was to spend time with Concesao and, and get a sense of both who she is as a, a person and poet and also to, to see the landscape and, and the place of Sao Tome, to feel the, the humidity that I hope is reflected in my translations. I think my, my interest in, in the manifestos is, is very similar. It, it began as a curiosity, as, again, a, a kind of articulation of my interest in the evolution of language and, and my own desires to, to do that in my work. And I, I found that, first of all, the, these manifestos were profoundly fun, and they led me to, to so many other discoveries, like Quintanilla, uh, these, uh, these books of his I've translated, people like uh, the Nadaistas uh, of Colombia, who uh, I always love uh, <laughs> what uh, Jaime Escobar Jaramillo said, that he can only write entirely naked. <laughs> it's the only way. Ideas, <laughs> clothes impede ideas. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of that, that theory. Uh, fortunately, uh, despite all of his other theories, our, our president is not. You're listening to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. Remember, you can find The People on iTunes by searching the iTunes store for The People Radio. And when you're there, uh, please uh, leave us a rating or a review or both. And you can also find us at Insert Blanc Press by going to insertblancpress.net and clicking on the people at the top of the page. And now let's get back to our conversation with David Shook and Pablo Jofre. So Pablo, this is your first book. Yes. And uh, can you tell us about what you've got going on now or what you've got as far as future projects are concerned? Yes, the second book uh, was written in, in Barcelona too, so Extranjería. And it's very different because it's, it's another project, it's another structure, there is another rhythm. It's very, very different. I send you, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I am working now in Berlin, Manila. That is a trip that I made by train from uh, Berlin to Kuala Lumpur and then with airplane from Kuala Lumpur to Jakarta and Jakarta to Manila. And the idea was take the rhythm from the train, so this the rhythm from the train and the rhythm from um, Pablo de Roca. Uh, And uh, I made maybe 50 poems in the trip. That was a three month long trip. And yeah, I'm correcting and correcting and correcting again, working in the issues and los temas. And I was very interested in made something more political. 
So the world trip is, is there is a um, um, list of different political issues. Y otro, y otro proyecto que es distinto, que se llama Piel Muerta, eh, tiene una arquitectura también muy definida, que son uh, obras de arte, una pintura, un, un libro, una película, y yo escribo una interpretación poética, incluso de un, de un poema. Eh, en eso llevo trabajando ya como cuatro años, pero es muy lento. Eh, estos son mis proyectos en los que estoy trabajando. You have some collaborations as well, right? Collaborations in, in which... Uh, With musicians? Yes, I have a, um, a group, well, a duo with Andy Meissner, que es um, a guitar player. And, um, lo que hacemos básicamente es crear música a partir de los poemas que ya, que ya están listos. Es decir, nos juntamos en, la, en su cocina, en la cocina, porque es el lugar más, más tranquilo. Y, um, y yo voy leyendo los poemas y él hace una conexión con el tema, con los contenidos del poema y con el sonido. Él tiene un grupo de, de punk, él viene, él viene del punk, entonces un poco trabajamos esos, esos sonidos un poco más populares, o pop, punk, rock, y tocamos en bares y vendemos los libros en los bares, <risa> o a veces un disco, y and hopefully we're going to get it together and hear a little bit of that at the end of this episode i hope if we can, if we yes, can get it okay. together mm -hmm. um but we were talking off mic a little bit about this about because you live in berlin as you've said but you don't write and you speak german but you don't necessarily do much writing in german bueno como te expliqué antes no escribo en en alemán sino que en en sino que en español un poco para sentirme en casa en el, en el idioma que escribo podría escribir en, en alemán en algún en algún momento eh, pero creo que tendría que estar fuera de Alemania I think it's yeah being there and writing in German as a Chilean poet that maybe doesn't work now David, do you write in Spanish much or at all? Like, I mean, I know that you translate English into Spanish. You translate Spanish into English. Uh, you know, I know your books have been translated into Spanish, but you yourself, do you write originally works in Spanish at all? Until very recently, I'd only written a, a little bit of what I guess I'd call experimental prose in Spanish. But the book I'm working on right now, I, I'm writing in Spanish. Not, not because I set out to do so necessarily, which is, is the same as uh, my earlier texts, but, but just because that's how, how it came out. It's a book-length poem about our southern deserts. And lo and behold, in Espanol, apareció. Okay. What about you? 
No, no, no. I don't usually write in Spanish. <laughs> and and David, what's about the the self tra uh, translation? Um, do you think it's possible to? Um, or, or how 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 you deal with the self translation? Because for example, my my book, I haven't. Th there was other translators. So I I don't know if self translation is possible because I don't care if it's possible. Self translation to me. With very few exceptions, I, I mean, just to me as a poet, I think sounds incredibly boring. I I'm not interested in translating my own poems Absolutely. into whatever language because what interests me again is their evolution and the life they take on of their own in a new language. Yeah, it's just, I I agree completely with that because it's like not not organic. It's coming back. Well, and the the interesting thing I think too is to gain that distance. And, and to let let the poem go. You know, I, I heard once that if you don't, if you hold too tightly to a poem, you'll never know if it's yours. But if you open your hand and, and let it go and it comes back to you, it was yours all along. <laughs> Pablo, what is your engagement with English language and specifically American poetry. Are there contemporary American poets you read or admire? Mm. Well, I I read the yes. There is an influence through uh, Pablo de Roca. Actually, I have the I feel the presence of the American poetry through my my Chilean poets. And uh, I think, yeah, my connection is not, well, the typical Ginsberg and everything, but I think my, my deep connection is more through the, through the Chilean writers. They are very deep connected, especially Pablo de Roca. That's, that's very interesting. Again, I mean, the, the idea we've talked about, about the literary kind of seeping through multiple languages. But I love the idea that you are influenced by American poetry because of a poet that writes in Spanish mm. from another, you know, from South America. That's, uh, that's quite an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. And for those of us like me who aren't familiar with this work, what is, what is yeah. the connection? Why, why does he, that specific poet, uh, Why does he influence you, like as as an as an American? Yo creo que la influencia es más viene 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 con el con el ritmo, con con esta visión with mañana. Por ejemplo, el, el abecedario, la primera versión editada estaba editada a Walt Whitman decía la dedicatoria decía a mi madre, a Walt Whitman y a mis amigos. Um, porque, um, claro, yo crecí con mi madre de alguna manera, siempre hubo un padre ausente, y, la, y, la, y, esta, y, 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 y el, el, el vacío de la, de la paternidad se rellenó en algún momento con, con la poesía de de Whitman a través de, de Pablo de Roca. Entonces hay una relación del poeta padre en alguna manera. 
eh, mi, mi, mi relación con, con ese tipo de... de con, esa, con esa poesía americana tiene que ver también con la búsqueda de una inspiración paternal. Luego no, no volví a repetir la, la dedicatoria. Fue en el primer libro que publiqué la primera vez, la primera completa vez, estaba dedicado a... Y eso a través de, de Pablo de Roca. One of the things I, I like about Whitman singing America, and one of the things I, I've written before in regards to some of my, my translations from uh, the early 20th century from Uruguay, is that I think so many South Americans understood Whitman's champion of America, not as a championing merely of the United States, mm -hmm. but of, of the entire hemisphere of both North and South America, of the Americas. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is very interesting how Whitman's, I think Whitman's vision in a way ha, has perhaps permeated Latin American poetry more than any other U.S. American poet. Yes, it's, no, no sé cómo como explicarlo. Yo creo que Whitman conectó con una con una profundidad y con un, con, un, con un nervio a una especie de poesía americana como continente yo casi no pienso en Whitman como un escritor americano o sea no 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 cuando me dice poesía de estadounidense Whitman no, es un, es un, no lo pongo dentro a pesar de sino como una como una parte integrante muy muy profunda de nuestra propia cultura literaria. He was a galactic poet. That's mm. what I aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> And well, Pablo, is this the first time that, that your work has been translated into English, uh, Abecedary? Or has it been translated into English at uh, other times? No, no, it's the first time. Mm. Great. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Pablo... And David, thanks for being on the people. Yeah, guys. thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you guys. so much. Guys. Appreciate it. Gracias. Really wonderful. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The People on Kei Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. You can find The People on iTunes by searching the iTunes store for The People Radio. And when you're there, you can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Please do all those things. And you can find all our past episodes there and also at Insert Blanc Press by going to insertblancpress.net and clicking the people at the top of the page. You can also find us on Stitcher or SoundCloud or pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can also, of course, find us on Facebook. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook. Please do that. And our theme music is Fifth by Lewis Keller, as ever. And we're going to go out with a song from Los Angeles band, The Tissues, off their new album, Veil, just released last month. You can find more of their music on Bandcamp. And the name of the track is Red Light.
I was surprised the guy, the policeman in, in the border come. He say, oh, yeah, yeah, because I have a Spanish passport. And they say, born in Chile, I have two passport, passports. So. And, oh, you, uh, you are Spanish, born in Chile, living in Berlin, right? Yes. Uh, welcome to Los Angeles. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>